that's a whole other thing, you know? Like, why aren't we speaking Old English more? I'm yeah. always saying that as well. And ye folks are never, you know, feeling that. Ye folks are never feeling that. All right, we're about to get into the main segment of the episode. But before we do that, Kevin has a little exercise he'd like us all to participate in. Kevin? Take it away. Yeah, you can participate at home, but it's mostly an improv situation that I'd like to drop the three of us into. Are you all ready? Uh-huh. I think so. All right, so we're all roommates in a New York City apartment. Me and Rachel are home, and we're just, like, hanging out at home. Devin, you're on your way home with good news and bad news, and that's it. That's a good... So, scene okay. begins. Hey, Action. Rachel. Um, Wait, why would I not? Rachel, have you been, like, I, this milk is, like, a few weeks old. Do you think we should, like, throw this out? Or since we're in quarantine, should we, like, hold on to it for future reference? Or? Check the date. What's the date say? Um, it says April 3rd, uh, we might. Oh, jeez. Kevin, not again. Yeah. Well, I thought we'd like, no, hang on to it. Throw it out? Throw guys, it guys, out. guys, guess what? I have great news. Devin, oh, Devin? my God. How did you get in here? I live here. I Use my key and walk. Oh, in. okay. Hey, yeah. What's up, Devin? I, I tried knocking, but no one answered, so I decided to. We were talking uh, not about much. Knock. Okay. Yeah. So we had that problem with the milk, right? That it was expired. Yeah. I've solved oh it, God. guys. I've invented time travel. Whoa. Go back in time, and we can drink the milk. Except there's one problem. What's, What's the, problem? the problem? So when I was testing it out, I went back in time just to see like if everything was going, and I accidentally killed the inventor of milk. What? Oh. So there's no Mr. Milk, milk anymore. Mr. Dead? Milk. Did Mr. you mean milk you killed all the cows? Well, who's no, the, the inventor, inventor of milk? milk? Guys, guys, hold on, hold on, hold on. This yep. bad news and good news situation has made me have a great idea. Now we can go back in time with Devin's time machine and invent milk. Us three. Imagine patenting milk. Guys, guys, do you know what this means? We can create the campaign Got Milk. Oh my God. What right. about instead of Got Milk, Goat Milk? Whoa. Not sure the actual goat milk, but just the, the campaign is goat milk. Like greatest of all time milk? No, just like goat milk. Like the Michael Phelps of milk? No, like goat milk. The Tom Brady of milk? Like goat milk. I think he just means goat milk. No, right, like I'm, the I'm, animal? Goat milk. Yeah. You know what, Devin? Devin, I don't get it right now, but I'm fully invested in it. Let's go back in time right now and make goat milk. I'm going to go forward in time to when you get goat milk, the saying that I've come up with, and then we'll go back in time. Okay, and, let's cut to, let's go in the time machine and, and cut to when I get this fully. Okay. Whoa. Oh, Devin, <laughs> oh. I totally get that. That makes a lot of sense. All right, let's go do it. Same. Whoa. Man, that really Hi there. I'm head. the milk... Nope, <laughs> not inv- we didn't go far enough back, guys. Got to go further back. They still know what milk is. Come on, let's go. Let's go early back, back, back. Hi, I'm Mr. Grocery Store, and I'm looking for a new invention for my <laughs> grocery store. A new product. Hey, Mr. Grocery so. Store, I have an idea for you. Do you know water? Water? Yes, yeah, I do you know, know water. water. Do you One know soda? Products. Soda? Yes, of course yeah. I do. I All right, now imagine this. Now, don't get too excited, but I have an idea for you. Close your eyes and imagine not water, it's thicker than that. And it comes from a cow's udder and you squeeze it and then it's all warm. And then you go through a nice distilling process where it cools down and we put it into gallon jugs and we put it in all sorts of things. And we drink this white liquid and we put it in coffee and we put it in cakes and we do all sorts of stuff. I like your spunk kid, but I'm gonna have to get my associate on the phone. Miss Cow. Miss Cow, would you like to please come on? Hello. (laughs) 
Miss Cow, Wait, you your know, translator's Cow. with you. Good. All right, I think we can have the scene there. Right, That's good. good. <laughs> that was good. We'll come back to that. I like it. That was weird, but I think it really. I promise to pull my weight better next time. You did your part. I think. Uh, I think a. I think a apartment with us three would be a great idea. I think there'd be okay. a lot of podcast potential. I think definitely it would be weird, but I would like it. I think. <laughs> All right, the creative juices are flowing, and I'm ready. I to think go more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Um. Okay. So. The concept of this episode kind of came from quarantine because a lot of us are watching a lot of content right now. A lot of us are re-watching stuff from the past, which brought us to this idea, kind of things we come back to. The kind of content, whether it's books, movies, music, whatever the case may be, stuff that we find comfort in for whatever reason, even though we know the endings, we know what it's going to be like. Why do we do that? <laughs> and what? I'm still laughing at the time we went back in time and then Devin introduced himself as Mr. Milk and then we had to go back further in time. I think that's really funny. Sorry, continue. Oh my God. Okay. So anyway, we all do this rewatch shows, movies. I think rewatching series, like entire series is one of the most interesting things to me because it's like, that's a lot. So what do you guys think? Initial thoughts? I think I like to watch and refine little idiosyncrasies in a performance or song or show or movie that I didn't recognize the first watch. And it just like makes, it's like the little details and things that really excite me when I rewatch or revisit something. I agree. Yeah, my one sentence, I promise I came up with this before I read the article because I actually okay. didn't realize the article was on there. But it's almost like, you know, entertainment comfort food. It's something you can come back to. Yeah. And maybe you associate it with a certain memory, a certain nostalgic thing. And it brings you back to that moment. I totally agree with that. We, so Devin mentioned the article. We found a cool article on this written by Derek Thompson of The Atlantic. And he kind of breaks this reconsumption down into four different parts, which I think all of us can kind of pinpoint. We're like, okay, when I watch this, it's this, one of the four, et cetera. So the first one is habits. You do it just because it's kind of comfortable. So I think like background noise kind of stuff, if you just have something on, like people who watch The Office just on a loop for eternity. Like, I think that's a good example. It's just a habit. It's just comfortable. The second is an addiction. Hmm. So you literally can't help it. It's just like a gut reaction to kind of put something on. I don't know if I have a good example for that one for me personally. Like, I, I might have one. Like, you know, we mentioned Stop Making Sense. Like those songs just like rattle in my brain and they will not leave unless I put it on. I don't know if that's an addiction because I like the song, but it will not leave. And I can't think of another song until like I put on Found a Job and just jam through it the whole time. And then the song will end. I'm like, okay, now I'm free to go about my daily business. I think that counts. You're definitely right. an addict. Check. Yeah, you're definitely addicted. Oh, um, awesome. <laughs> um, number three is ritual. So when you like assign some kind of symbolic meaning to watching or listening to something, which I think definitely happens, right? I think I read certain books. Like I always like to read The Catcher in the Rye every summer kind of before a new school year starts. And that started in high school. So like, okay, because it makes sense. It's like a coming of age tale and you're like, getting revved up for the year so it just kind of puts me in the mind frame of like a going to school and like becoming a new version of myself maybe i don't know so ritual i also read a jd salinger book once a year i read it in the winter i read franny and zoe and it's just like a nice yeah? like i, I come home that. for the winter and i'm like with my family the past worries i've come back from college and like franny comes back from college and then her brother's talking to her and it's just like a nice yearly thing that i can kind of check in and see, see what who I pick up with more this reading than someone else's. Yeah, that's I totally agree. That's cool. Yeah, J.D. Salinger, man, something about that. 
ritual. And number four, according to Thompson, is the status quo bias. So essentially the idea that it's just like annoying to have to find new stuff. And we've all been there, like you're scrolling through Netflix and it's like you take more time trying to find a show or a movie to watch than you would actually watching the content anyway. So if you just are rewatching a movie that you know you already know and love, it just kind of saves yourself time and like frustration in the end. So I totally see that. Interesting. But it was cool to like Mm -hmm. break it all down. But now let's kind of just transition into some things we mentioned a few already just in these examples but things that we come back to so who wants to kick us off maybe something that like really stuck out to you when this topic came up of you are you guys mentioned stop making sense that's obviously a good one for the both of you give me a quick rundown of that yeah so stop stop making sense is a concert video um by the talking heads i think from 70s or 80s right 84 84 84. and i mean i will say this with confidence it is the greatest concert film perhaps the greatest film ever made Better than Taylor Swift Reputation Tour? Taylor Swift Reputation Tour is a close second. I will give her that, but this is an amazing concert film. It's just the most. So it starts with David Byrne, only person on the stage, walks out with a little tape recorder, says, I got a tape to play you, turns it on, starts strumming his guitar, and plays Psycho Killer. And from that moment on, it's just pure, exactly, yeah, pure fun, happiness, and joy. It's an amazing film. It's the biggest moment, the iconic moment of it, is he comes out in this big suit. It's like three or four times too big for him. And he just gets on the stage and has a blast. And I think that's the perfect way to sum it up. Just a bunch of people on stage having a blast. I've never seen so many musicians having so much fun playing the music. And I think that's what I love. Just seeing how different people react and like how they really are enjoying themselves. And since there's so many people on the stage, like it starts with just David Byrne. And by the end, there's eight to 10 musicians on stage and they're all having fun and playing different instruments and like seeing how they all move and react to each other on stage. So there's always like a new person to kind of latch your ear or eyes onto and see how they play, how they're reacting and how they fit into these originally talking heads composed songs and now they're these grander performances meant for the stage and the screen it's really amazing there's like endless interest that can be found in all the little different aspects and people on stage very cool before you watch stop making sense is there kind of a reason like what prompts you to re-watch it is, is it always the same thing is it different or is it just kind of random like you just watch it because it's like in your head uh, it could be all of them i mean usually like a song will be stuck in my head and i like to listen to it but also it's just like any other media that you can be revisited to. It's just like throwing on like a good old pair of jeans or a good old movie. Like just like starting from the top and being like, this is, I already know I'm going to enjoy this. And I already know I'm going to like come out of it, enjoying it even more than when I went into it this time. And the next time I come back to it, I'll have those things that I just learned this past listen to kind of get into it more for every single watch. Yeah, maybe habitual ritual sort of thing. Like Life During Wartime is my running song. I mean, it's a little on the nose because he runs during the actual performance of it. But that song has just such a great energy to it that if I'm going on a run and I start getting tired, I'll put on that song. and It'll give me another boost. I love that. Very cool. I feel like I have to revisit it myself to kind of really yeah. appreciate it because I can't say I had the same reaction as you guys did. But I think maybe I can get there. <laughs> I think I feel a way that way about, honestly, the Taylor Swift Reputation tour concert because I've seen that so many times that was something i'd put on like when i was making a bulletin board i'd be cutting stuff out it's just like a good background so maybe that's like our parallel yeah it's interesting that we both have concert videos concert movies as like our top things that we revisit because i've watched that a lot of times and it's like where my sisters will be like why are you watching it again like that's so weird that you keep watching that but i can't help it i just like it (laughs) you can't help it hey addiction wow wow i don't even realize it that's crazy okay transitioning 
let's talk movies. Like, what are movies that you guys just keep coming back to? Oh, Stop Making Sense is a great concert movie. <laughs> that you movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like Making a movie sense. movie with like a plot and a script. Oh, do you guys want to go first? So, yeah, I'll go first. I have yeah. three that immediately came to mind. And I'm, kind, I'm half embarrassed about these. And I'm half not at all. Because I was watching The Office actually last night, and there's an episode of The Office where they like talk about the desert desert island game, where it's like you have to bring five DVDs, and someone says Legally Blonde, and then Jim and Pam like roast her for saying Legally Blonde. She's like, that's going to be the movie you watch for the rest of your life. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And they like make mm-hmm. fun of her so bad. And then the Amy Adams character says that when she's with Jim. It's a whole thing. All of that just means that Legally Blonde would most certainly be one of those movies that I always go back to. I think it's such an empowering film. Have either of you seen it? No. Yes so long ago i don't remember it like as first of all i genuinely encourage you to rewatch it it's 2001 reese witherspoon in her prime oh my god it's so good it's just empowering it really is it's a feminist film and i stand by that it's not a chick flick i'm thinking of a joke i heard and i have to tell you can tell it but i might not okay. like it all right you might you can take it off if you don't like it did you hear I'll about that up. actress who stabbed someone with a knife her name is reese something Ugh, reese she stabbed someone with a knife. Reese, um... Oh, Reese Underwood. He went to my elementary school and he moved away in the third grade. No, not that one. <laughs> oh. Reese... This be like Reese with her knife? I'm supposed to say Reese with her spoon, and then with I say, knife? not with a spoon, with her knife. I heard that from my oh. car dealership, and I was on the floor laughing. <laughs> it's funny, but I love her too much to really... I get it. It's, it's a car dealership. Sorry, you're at a car dealership, and you heard this, too? I was at a car dealership. Listen, so I was at a car dealership. Fancy okay. here. Number five. Um, I was at a car dealership. Which car dealership? We can link it in the show notes. Yeah, link it in the show notes. Riverhead Automotive, something like that. Cool. Um, it's my favorite one. There. And we were sitting there. Great place. And we, my, dad, my dad was getting the car, and he's like signing some paperwork. He was leasing a car. And the guy, the car dealer, was just looking at me. And he's like, did you hear about just that actress? You. And he tells that he's just watching me. And he tells <laughs> that joke. And then the best part of it is, is he pulls out a spoon, which means this is something he always, this is he like does. ritualistic behavior. Hey. But he pulls out the spoon. That's actually a good one. Jokes that you come back to. Kevin's got it, I think, on the outline. Do you have Jokes that you come back to? Yeah, well, I mean, a beautiful thing about our relationship and our, like, trio of comedy is that we have many full circle moments where we, like, link back to jokes we've had before, which there's many examples already, but they just just exponentially increase as we continue talking. I agree. Um, Yeah, but there's, like, in terms of comedy, not to, like, get super sidetracked from Rachel's favorite movies, but there's, like... Co- comedians well especially a, a comedic duo that i come back to that i probably put like thousands of hours into watching their videos and listening to their podcast named jake and amir and to the point where like i speak like them now and i find wow. they have like a focus on dialogue humor like so just them interacting and talking to each other is very funny and for those of you who can't see, Devin transformed himself into a, a baby seal. Oh, you're a pug. It's, it's the pug mask, but my oh, video, there you go, almost. The pug mask. Yeah, speaking That's of things awful. I revisited, in my brain, me and Devin once saw a pug mask costume in a, in a pop-up Halloween store. And I think my brain revisits that multiple times a day, especially when I'm trying to go to sleep and I close my eyes and all I can see in the back of my eyelids is pug mask, pug mask. The pug mask is the joke of all jo- I don't get it because I wasn't there, but it's, I feel like I know it because you really got, you do revisit it quite a bit. Yeah, unwillingly. Yeah. It's, you could say it's an addiction. <laughs> that was a strange Maybe. day. What a weird day. Robot movie? Oh, yeah, I forgot that it was all the same day. I forgot about that. 
That's, Seven, one day that. I want you to tell that story. I don't know if we have yes. time today, but Not I today. really genuinely think that you is a story. You should have a bad that... date a podcast episode or something like that. <gasps> and I would love to share. Okay, let's do it. All right. That's incredible. Oh my God. Okay. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Maybe episode 10, because that's a great story. What a day. It all, maybe it all started from the pug mask, man. I think if you didn't find we'll the pug the mask, day, yeah. that would have been a good been okay day. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Sorry. It's okay. wild. Okay. What else? Movies, movies. Devin, what's your favorite movie that you can't stop watching? Yeah. So like I during, since college, I haven't watched a lot of movies a lot. So I was thinking about this. I mean, as a kid, I can think of, I had on my little iPod, right? Three movies, Ratatouille, wow. Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, the one with less dinosaurs in it, but I've watched it four times every movie. And now I completely forgot the third one. <laughs> but those are movies Must not that be memorable. Over over. It wasn't memorable. But one that I was thinking about, interestingly, is this movie In Bruges, which is amazing because when I, the first time I saw it, I hated it. Like, totally disturbed me. It was really weird. And now I've grown to appreciate it a lot more. And it's on TV, right? So I'm like, when I flip through the channels and I'll watch it, and I just love that movie now. And it's cool because it's a total turnaround. The first time I watched yeah. it, I hated it. I used to have nightmares about it. It terrified me. Wow. And now I can't get enough of it. It's really funny. It's a dark comedy starring Colin Farrell and the guy, Gleason. I can't think of his first name. Not These are not both names from people from my middle school, so I can't. I can't like, <laughs> Colin Farrell went to your middle school? Colin Farrell went to my middle school. I went to school in Bruce. So. <laughs> Devin, I, w- my question to you is, if you didn't like it the first time, what made you come back to it the second time? I think I was too young to appreciate it the first time. And then why I came back to it the second time was my friend was showing me a movie by the same director, also with Colin Farrell. And I'm like, oh yeah, he also did In Bruges. And that inspired me to go back to it. And then I watched it and I loved it. Well, I'm glad you yeah. gave it another shot. Yeah. Second chances, man. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Revisiting after time has passed. Yeah, I think that makes a big difference. I think a lot of these things, why I like to go back to them is because, right, like you come back to things with a new perspective. You're able to put like wherever you are in life or whatever and kind of compare yourself to characters or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? You can kind of just have a a different, there's always a different perspective. I was thinking about that with like books, right? Because I love Mm -hmm. to read, but I always want to read the next book. And there hasn't really been a book I've revisited except for a book. And I put it on our thing was a hundred years of solitude. Mm -hmm. I had to read it for class, but from the first page, I fell in love with that book. And it was just the most amazing thing. But I never revisit books. And I don't remember what exactly it was. But I like came home one night and I was like feeling kind of down. It was like a tough day. And I just pulled that book off my shelf and started reading it. And ever since then, whenever I'm in sort of a mood or mm-hmm. just need something to do, have some extra free time, I'll either pull out the book or listen to the audio version of it. And that really is like, if there's anything that I can revisit, something about that book, I don't know what it was, but I'll come back to it. And I never come back to books before. But I did, and I'm so glad I did. I'm glad, too. Oh, this is good. Well, Devin, I have something. We've talked about this book a few times. I can't think of the exact verbiage for it, but it's like mystical realism, right? Is that, that's a talk. Magical realism, yeah. Magical realism. And I think that's what you described this book as. So maybe it would make sense that you go, if you're having a tough day, you go to a magically real version of the world where you still recognize a lot of stuff, but it's in this magical realm where you're kind of separated from your daily struggles. And the struggles in the book are less realistic. Yeah, I think that's a nice interpretation. I mean, when I was thinking about it too, I was trying to think, is there like a specific theme or like a certain scene that draws me back to it? And I just like the world it transports me to. It is sort of a way to get away. It brings you right back into that world. I know exactly where I am. And it's nice to be transported back there. So I think that's totally right. 
Yeah, so it's like a familiarity and then like escapism kind of. I like that. And that's so true. And I think that kind of you can apply that to any of these. You know what I mean? Like any of the things we listed out today, I think it totally applies. Uh Interesting. Okay, what else? I I have that book on my my bookshelf in my apartment that I can no longer go to in New York City. So, but I think 100 Years of Solitude would be a perfect book to read in quarantine, but I can't read it right now. So it's not, it's, you'd be surprised because I mean, it's not about, well, I'll tell everyone to read it. We'll link it in the show notes. Um, I can't really <laughs> it, but it's an amazing book. It's not a it's not a sad book though. Is what I'm trying to say. It's a happy, exciting book. So, yeah. I like that. Okay, is there something maybe on the list? I keep referencing this list. We made a list each of us things that came to our minds when this topic came up of things we revisit, and we kind of it'd just be boring to like read them all out. So I'm trying to like think of new ways to kind of introduce the the subject matter. But is there something on your list that when you thought of it, you're like, hmm, I really don't know why I keep reading this. Like, it doesn't really fit into any of these categories or it doesn't really fit any of these reasons laid out in the article or ones that we've been talking about so far. Because I have one that I can't explain why I keep rewatching this thing, but I'm so obsessed with it. So I think it's just like, I like the topic. What and is that it? is The People versus O.J. Simpson. It was the American crime series Ryan Murphy thing. I cannot even tell you. I've watched it at least half a dozen times all the way through. It's like a 10-episode thing. I'm so obsessed with it. I've always been kind of obsessed with the O.J. Simpson trial because I just think it's, I don't know, I just think it's absolutely fascinating and I think it changed media in like more ways than we could ever understand. I don't know. I'm so obsessed with it, but it's not even watching a documentary about it because it's all actors. Maybe that's why I like it because I, I don't know. I think it's cool to see people acting out. So I know like the real life people. I don't know. I'm just so obsessed with it. Well, when do you, kind of going off what Devin said, when do you go back yeah. to it? Are you like having a bad day and you want to watch it? Or is it just like, I'm excited and I want to watch it? I really can't pinpoint anything. I think it's just random. Like if something, like if I'm listening to a podcast and they mention OJ Simpson in the podcast, I'm like, oh, it's just about that time. Like got to rewatch the people versus OJ again, you know? I watched it or I listened to it this summer because that's what happened. I was listening to the Comments by Slubs podcast and they did a whole bonus episode one week about Robert Kardashian and his role in the whole OJ trial and kind of broke it down. So it was like, I just loved it. It was so good. That's one of my favorite podcasts so to hear them talk about it was cool, which made me look up other podcasts about OJ Simpson. And I found this one that was by Kim, Kim Goldman. It was by Kim Goldman, who's the sister of Ron Goldman, who was the other victim in the murders besides Nicole Brown. And she did like interviewed all these different people from the trial and like people from the jury and the judges. And like, it was a whole thing. And it was like this whole time, I think it was a 10 part series and I listened to it last summer. And I had this thing where I would go get a spray tan on 92nd street. And then I would walk all the way to Columbus circle. And I would listen to a few episodes of the podcast as I was like walking in my spray tan dried. Now that was just like such a like summer thing. And then I would go home and like watch an episode of the people versus OJ. Well, it seems like this is like transcended to all four of these little categories. Like you get triggered yeah. into like, you hear OJ Simpson, you're like, and now I need to watch it. But then it's also like a comfort thing. Like, so tradition thing, like you eat your spray tan and walk down and listen to it. No, it's so true. Yes. Yeah, I think it's definitely the triggers and the associations, the big yeah. thing. Why are we returning to these things? Because we associate with them. But actually, on like a different note too, Mm -hmm. is I listed on there the song Jubilee Street by Nick Cave. And that was a song that I kept returning to. I love that. It's my favorite song. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Check them out, everybody. Great (laughs) thing. Link them in the the liner notes, the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that's a song I keep coming back to. And it was just, I thought, because I liked the song. But then I realized that I was listening to it. It wasn't like a certain situation that I'd be listening to it to. It'd be in a bunch of different situations. And every time I listened to it, I'd have a totally new experience of it. Something they didn't talk as much about in the article, but I think things that we also return to are things that, we can, that continue to evolve with us. 
I mean, that song has evolved with me as I've grown. I have my initial associations with it, which I think were why I initially came back to it, but also new reasons. And now, I'll, depending on what kind of mood I'm in, I'll pop on that song and see if I get something new out of it, because I really do think I get something new depending on the mood I'm in, depending on the state I'm in. I really like that. I was thinking about that while you're talking, like songs that age with us. An example of that, actually kind of one step beyond it is, I have two younger siblings. I have a younger brother and a younger sister. It's really interesting to hear how now they're discovering music that I like, I liked at their age now. So like my little sister will come up, she's in, she's in 10th grade and she's like, you know, do you like Billy Joel? Do you like this song by Billy Joel? I'm like, yes, I discovered that song when I was your age. Or my little brother would come up and he's like, do you know Lights Please by J. Cole? I'm like, you know, senior year of high school or junior year of high school is also when I found that song. So it's interesting to hear them start to like these, these songs and hearing it coming out of their mouths and how they interpret these songs. So it's a, uh, it's quite interesting to like hear how music has only aged with me, but also ages with my younger siblings as well. That's yeah. very cool. I love that to yeah. see it. Not like not generational, but just to see like kind of, you know what I mean? Different perspectives and then it all like merging together. That's cool. I think that's a difficult thing though, too, is like sharing the things that we keep coming back to. Cause I was thinking about that sharing stuff, but I mean, how disappointing is it when you share something and then the person doesn't feel the same way as you? It's no, a very that's vulnerable. totally true. Especially, right, it's not just a thing I watched once or saw once or heard once and liked. It's like something that in some way, like you maybe identify with or you just feel it, I don't know, in your soul. So it's like, right, it is a kind of personal, like you said, vulnerable thing. I didn't think That's something, that's like a a level that you have to get to with any significant other I think you have. It's like there's going to be things that they're going to like and there's going to be things that you hold so dear to your heart that will never click with them. And you kind of just like have to navigate that in certain ways. And I think it's just like a funny, but also kind of in the moment frustrating thing in any relationship, whether it be a friend, but I'm thinking right now, significant others, because you're supposed to spend a lot of time with each other and yeah, and love each other and love the things that each other love, but it's not always going to be that way. Well, that's what I was thinking, because I was like almost disappointed when Rachel was like, I didn't get that, you know, first initial stop making sense. Like it spoke to me Mm -hmm. and I realized to myself, it's like, well, she doesn't associate it with like being 10 years old and watching with your whole family and dancing to it or listening to that music all your life and growing up with it. So it's not something that I feel like it's, we should try to share the things that we keep coming back to, but with the mindset that people may not have the same reaction just because they don't have those associations, but also it's a nice chance to make those associations. I think Kevin, what you said about a significant other, sharing it with a significant other and having some memory that you intertwine with it can give me a good experience. I also feel like the world would be boring if we all felt the same way about the same exact things. You know what I mean? Like we each need these random strange things that maybe we don't even understand why we like so much or like connect with on such a level. So it makes conversations like this one very interesting to have. How boring would this episode be if we were all just like, stop making sense. That's all we talked about the whole thing. You know what I mean? We all I think sounds like a blast. podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> maybe for you guys, I don't know see for me that'd be like okay but you know what I mean you know what I'm saying like yeah it's a good way to get to know a person by this like their reconsumption habit I mean it's funny because I was reading this I'm like this is the research I'm doing for class like this is what my thesis is on sort of um, one of the things I look at is socio-emotional selectivity theory which is a psychological theory that says as our time horizons shrink we're more likely to prioritize emotional regulatory goals and over information gathering goals. It's basically like a scientific exploration for senioritis, right? As you get closer to the end of senior year, you don't want to go out and network as much and meet new people. You're more concerned in spending time with friends, going to the things you're comfortable with. 
I'm not sure how it translates, but I think there's definitely a parallel there. Yeah. When we're trying to choose those emotional regulatory things, right? Those things we feel comfortable and safe with, then those information gathering. We choose a movie we're familiar with over a new movie because we know it's safe and secure. Well, scientists me, out there, please explore. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm interested in that because I think senior year is such a milestone moment. And there was like a few things, especially the song Someday by The Strokes, hit me so on a primal level my senior year of college and I listened to it like throughout the whole year and it was just like so perfect in that moment and still now I really like it but is there anything like that like a song or a movie or anything that's like really relevant to you guys right now that you may have discovered recently but is really capturing like the zeitgeist of your lives right now that you feel comfortable listening to or watching that's tricky I don't know if something exactly like you're explaining I have an example of but I will say that I think the most recent Taylor Swift album lover it came out late August so like literally as senior year is starting so I think for the rest of my life I'm going to so strongly associate that album with starting senior year and I think that's such a special thing and throughout because I've listened to it nonstop since you know what I mean so I think that's just cool it came out at a cool time in my life so I could see myself like when I'm old with like kids and stuff to be like oh senior year for a man like it's just gonna always have those memories so so strong so thank you taylor swift for putting out that album at the start of my senior year because i think that was more so than it would have been if it came out like in november you know what i mean mm-hmm. i mean it's tough because we're in this strange moment we're in this like in-between phase where yes we're reaching the end of college but we're back in our childhood homes no that's so true yeah so like things so now i'm returning to things from my childhood i started watching walking with dinosaurs again forgot how much i liked it but that's like a childhood thing and now it's coming at the end of my senior year so what is that association going to become because we're in this weird state yeah it's strange freud would have a field day with this really i think (laughs) he'd really find a lot of interest in this moment even just like we're like playing board games as a family now which like we haven't done and how but there's nothing else you know what i mean so you're returning to all these like very childhood stuff Mm-hmm. Wow, this is weird. What a time to be alive. It's interesting. Wow, quarantine, baby. It's nothing like it. Well, that, that kind of goes back to like these experiences I'm having, resorting back to like moments that I'm having with my hometown friends on Xbox Live on 10 year old games. And I realized yeah. that not only, I mean, I think we were kind of talking about like our type of humor that we have in this trio, but also I think it is also with my friends at home that all our humor is very referential and it's all like mm-hmm. based off of something that was said earlier or like some common experience that we've had that we can refer back to. And it's funny that we are still laughing, me and my friends from home, like laughing at jokes or just like words that we've made up 10 years ago when we first started. Like when we started drinking in high school, we started calling beers waters. And we think that's the funniest thing still to this day. Like, go get me another water. And they're like, oh, dude, I'll get you a water. What type of water do you want? And for some reason, like, that's the funniest thing. And we'll reference these YouTube videos that are so dumb. Like this guy doing a voiceover for baby sloths eating together. And we always say, look at this, we're all eating together. And it doesn't make any sense. But we think it's so funny forever. And I remember in maybe freshman year of college, uh, me and my good friend Matt from home both had, like, girlfriends that we had from our high school years. And they, like, came over to our house and – we're watching and me and Matt were just having a blast watching these same YouTube videos and his girlfriend almost had this like intense reaction. She's like, we've had this night before. 
we've done the same thing. We've come here, we did the fire pit, we came inside, we watched the sloth video, you said waters three times, giggled to each other, and like, <laughs> now we're back here. We're like, no, nah, what are you talking about? Like, this is totally normal, this is how we have fun. But she was like, no, we've done this exact same thing. And we really looked at each other and was like, wow, maybe we do do the same things every single day. But to me, it's endlessly entertaining. So that's odd to me. Well, what is an inside joke but reconsumption, right? It's reconsuming a joke. It's that Reese Witherspoon joke. It's not funny to you guys. You had to, you had to be there, right? You had you, to be at the used car salesman office. To have you had to be with that used car. Yeah, you need to be in that environment. You need to have those associations. And that goes back to like trying to share these things too, is it's difficult because everyone's going to bring, not only are we bringing different things to it in our first viewing, we are leaving with it with different things depending on when we're exposed to it. So true. Man, who would have thought? The rewatch, it's got a lot of, lot of levels, you guys. Yeah. I love it. Well, let's revisit because I wanted to talk about this study that Thompson brings up in that article from, what was it, The Atlantic? And it's by Crystal Russell and Sydney Levy. And they bring up four different reasons for this reconsumption, which are different than the four things I listed before. Because I know what I but anyway, <laughs> so it's the simple reason, the nostalgic reason, the therapeutic reason, and the existential reason, which I know Kevin's going to have a field day with. He's existential. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so first of all, the simple reason. So talking about like reconstructive consumption. So we watch it again and again, picking up on more details that just like enrich how much you loved it the first time. So you're kind of just watching it because you love it and you're just like re- experiencing all those like little bits of it that you love and maybe finding more each time which we totally talked about and then the nostalgic reason which came up a lot of times interesting because on the one hand it like brings you back to a certain time in your life like I talked about with the Taylor Swift how lovers always going to bring me back to senior year but also if a certain piece of content like brings you back to the time that it represents or depicts so like if there's a movie set I don't know I don't know if I have a good example but I feel like we will when we're old do you know what I'm saying of like Legally Blonde Man 2001 like those were the days There's also the therapeutic reason. So they call this, quote, emotional regulation. So it's just reassuring. It's never going to disappoint you. You're never going to be, like, let down by the ending of a movie that you love or a show that you love or something because you know how it's going to end already. And then finally, I think the most exciting one, the existential reason. So we talked about this a lot already, but it's good to, like, give it a name, I think. The idea that an old memory meets a new perspective, and then you're just enriching the content in a whole new way. I put a heart next to that because it really spoke to me. Oh, I have a quote. Wait, this is a good quote. The dynamic linkages between one past, present, and future experiences through the reconsumption of an object allow existential understanding. Oof. That's a lovely quote, and I really like the nice use of linkages in a normal sentence. I, think I don't think really we nice. say linkages enough. I, I, we're always saying that. I'm glad we got it on tape because we are always saying linkages, and no one really else seems to get it. I feel like like the three of us are the only people using linkages in our daily vernacular. Except I think we should start pronouncing the E in linkages. Like we should really linky edges. Really (laughs) accent that. No one ever uses I don't like that it's silent in there. Why is no one ever saying linkages? I mean, I think it's such a good word. But link doesn't end in an E. So shouldn't it just be linkage? Just throw that A-G-E on there? Isn't that how it's spelled? Isn't isn't there an E? I don't think so. Oh my God. Why did I think there was an E? I don't know. Linked I was just going in. along with it. I thought this was a bit. <laughs> I thought it was spelled I L I N K E A G E S. Well, I've, I was also thinking that it's the as old well. English spelling. Oh, oh the old. Oh, classic. Well, that's a whole other thing, you know. Like, why aren't we speaking old English more? Linky I'm up. always saying that as well. No, I know. It's like, why not just throw an old English 
and you folks are never, you know, feeling that. But when I'm <laughs> using old English, I think it I think it sounds more proper. Ye folks are never feeling that. I took a class once on Middle English and he, we had to talk in like actual like it was very difficult. Was this with Suzanne Yeager? No, but we oh, she also did. made us do that. Well, I didn't have to speak Old English in her class, but the, she, her class was the one that I wrote the Miranda Priestly paper for The Devil Wears Prada. So there's a couple pages of it where I'm likening it to The King of Tars. Have either of you read The King of Tars? Yes, I see some. Likening it sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> but I have like quotes in the paper that are in Old English. And I was doing that thing on your computer where, like, the computer reads your text. Do you know what I mean? Because I always like to do that with my essays. And it, like, totally just read the old English so good. It was funny to listen to. It was like, that's. Old. I mean, that kind of goes back to what we're talking about, of going back to something known with a new perspective. And that is having Siri read Middle English to you for your essay. No, it was a wild experience, for sure. Plus, with this time machine we invented, we can go anywhere we want, so... Let's revisit all those memories. Honestly, we can. A time before milk. Greetings, ye. I am Mr. Milk. <laughs> <laughs> not far enough. Not far Wary enough. travelers. <laughs> Plenty of cows. All right, I'm done. I'm back. I'm back. That was not... I didn't like that at all. I didn't like being old Middle Earth Mr. Milk at all. It was weird. It was weird for Saul, Kevin. <laughs> we can cut that, right? We can cut that. We could, I might keep it. I think it was interesting. I think there's going to be... Except I've, realized, I've just realized that Mr. Milk is a person, Harvey Milk, the, who's in somewhere in government. He's actually a very famous person. Yeah, for, for uh, LGBTQ rights. Yeah. So our Mr. Milk joke may... I didn't know that. It's a different Mr. Milk. We, we knew that. <laughs> yeah, I think people totally understood that it was a completely different Mr. Milk. There's lots of them. It was Mr. Milk with an E in the middle of it. <laughs> or Mr. Milk. Mr. Milk. <laughs> <laughs> I like Mr. Milk better than Mr. Milky. I don't like that at all. <laughs> Very weird. <laughs> okay, how should, we, how should we wrap this up? Any final remarks about reconsumption? At, having talked about all of this, what is the next thing you're going to watch or read or listen to? It's not making sense. I'm watching it right now in a side. I've <laughs> been watching in the back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you, Dev? I've been telling myself, because like, walking with dinosaurs, I've been telling myself, Dev, you got to go back and watch it, so now I'm going to go do it. I, okay. I feel like I really want to watch The People vs. OJ because I haven't watched it in a couple months, so I think that might be. So what I've learned from this is that we have learned nothing and we're going to go back to the same exact stuff <laughs> that we came into at the top of the episode and yeah. watch it again. But I think that just reinforces everything we talked about. I'm not the mad. The SpongeBob movie. That was the third movie on my app. <laughs> <laughs> That's now that we're men. I'm going to watch that. <laughs> All right, David Hasselhoff. What a strange yeah. film. I like it. All right, cool. Okay, any other closing remarks? Something maybe we didn't get to that you're dying to just talk about real quick. Or not quick. There are no rules. Oh, I have have one, but it won't be quick. That's okay. Do it. All right. I've been going back to old songs and, like, listening to them with a post-Me Too perspective. And there's so many, like, 1960s songs that are just not cool anymore. And the one that really got me recently was the song She Loves You by The Beatles. Because it's not like inherently, overtly, kind of modernly offensive that some songs like Under My Thumb or a lot of like Frank Sinatra songs or that Christmas song like Baby It's Cold Outside or like those are not cool anymore. But um, She Loves You, if you don't mind me going into this little tangent. No, please It's do. so interesting because it really like struck me really embodying this like kind of toxic male fantasy about how like she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so great. 
and I think I lost my love, but you saw her yesterday, and she said she still loves me, and that's fantastic. That's, like, really great, but I almost made her lose her mind based on the lyrics, um, and then she went back and thought about it and realized that I'm not the hurting kind. So I was never going to feel bad that I almost made her lose her mind, according to the lyrics. But she thought it over, realized that I'm not the hurting kind, so she should come back and apologize to me for not, you know, realizing that earlier. And now she still loves me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just listening to that. I'm like, man, this is one of my favorite songs that, like, got me into the Beatles. Listening, like, the first album I ever had was the one album that came out in 2000 with all of the Beatles' number one hits. And She Loves You is on there. And just like coming back to it with an older perspective, but also post me too. I'm like, that's not cool. Like that's not a cool song to write now that I've like emotionally manipulated a girl to the point where now she's realizing that I am emotionally suppressed and has to come back and apologize to me. That's pretty much what the song is about. And like a bad habit of like over being overly analytical, but that was just something I've been thinking about. And from then have been like thinking about certain songs very interesting i never thought of that but definitely easy to do to go back and and i think like with movies and shows too of yesteryear <laughs> that's another word we don't say enough yesteryear <laughs> but to go back and see like how many things kind of i don't know were able to fly but good even not even as early as like the 1960s stuff in like the 2000s like i'm reading scott pilgrim versus the world and like some of the language they use in that and that was like the early 2000s is just not okay anymore and mm-hmm. rightfully so or I was just listening to Green Day, early 2004 uh, music, and they like use a lot of words and intense things that just like would never be used in songwriting today. And I think it's for the better, but it really does capture that cultural moment and how quickly things have changed. Yeah. And it makes me think though, like 20, 30 years from now, looking back on the stuff that's being made today, like how much will we progress and what will seem out of line that we're doing right now that right now we don't even realize? It's interesting, but troubling, I think. Yeah, in terms of coronavirus, not to bring that down, but I just like watch, yesterday I watched a really bad B movie on Netflix about overpopulation in the the world. And there's all these scenes of people like super close together, or even just like a normal commercial of people like eating in a cafeteria. I'm like, whoa, 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 like mm-hmm. what are you doing? You're not six feet apart. It's quickly how just like two weeks have changed no. it completely to a different mindset and culture in terms of socialization. I was just gonna say it's gonna be so wild when this is done with to be like how what will the process be like to going back to the everyday you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah I mean what I was just thinking is like originally I said that we come back to things that can evolve with us but that's the interesting thing is that no matter how much these things change when we revisit them they're not changing so it really is a reflection on how we're changing and I think that's a great point of how living in a different world I forgot I've been re-watching 30 Rock and a lot of the jokes they make on that show right wouldn't fly today. Mm-hmm. So we come back to these things and we think of them as totally different things, but it's interesting because they're not different. And really it's a reflection on how we've changed rather than how the entertainment's changed. A while ago, I was thinking about what it means for something to be timeless. And I feel like originally when I first came, I was like, oh, timeless means that it's kind of like a fountain of youth and it's not touched. It's just as fresh as it was on day one. But I really think it's just the opposite and that it really stands what all time has to offer and all like the typically negative things of like obsolescence or aging or degrading that time usually has on maybe a person or a thing but it withstand those and almost becomes like stronger so Mm -hmm. example that like the beatles have been releasing like 50 year old like 50 and year anniversaries of certain albums like sergeant peppers and abbey road and they sound like nice and remixed and sound nice for like modern spotify streaming but 
the albums are timeless because they still have a birth date and an age of 50 years old, but they sound just as fresh now today, but also you're able to analyze them in new ways and have a new appreciation and have like a new generation of young people falling in love with Abbey Road and Sgt. Peppers. And that was just like a nice little realization going back to the R at the top of the show. Hey, I love that. Well, this is a totally different conversation. Save it for another time. But like things we come back to as a society. I was originally thinking like, you know, like the Odyssey or the Iliad. Why are we reading that over thousands of years? But reboots, right? Why now do we feel the need to reboot things? What does that have to say about reconsumption? That's a great point. And we were just, Emma, in the last episode, actually, Emma and Hannah were talking about Mulan. We got into Mulan for some reason. And we were talking about that reboot and like what the trailer looks like and everything. And we thought that would be such a good episode topic just to kind of talk about exactly what you said. Like, why now? Is it like sad? And what does it mean for the future of content creation if we can't come up with original ideas anymore? Or is there just right now in this moment, some weird draw to the nostalgic I don't know. It's interesting to think about, but I think it's definitely a theme. Like it's silly to ignore it. It means something culturally. I just don't know what. Yeah. I've heard like very, I mean, I've done it too, but I mean, there's an argument that no story is original now, which I don't necessarily agree with, but even going back to like the story of Gilgamesh or the original hero's journey, people say that it's just getting rebooted anyway, whether it takes place in a space opera of star Wars or in um, a Disney movie. Uh, is, are we really just telling the same feel-good story that humans have so ingrained in their brains that they're like, oh, I want to see this happen. And there's just minor twists of setting and character plot and dialogue that make it seem fresh when it's really just the same story from thousands of years ago when stories came into existence. Except I think also you make it to reflect your moment. Um, like that, I talked about The Master and Margarita, that book I, originally, I finally mm-hmm. finished. It was a retelling, I've never read it, of some German play called Faust but he writes it for his moment, his current era. So it follows the same storyline, but it takes place in his world. So I think that's a big thing with are any stories original is taking those classical stories and making them appropriate for now. Going back to that Beatles song and rewriting it for this moment, reflective of the zeitgeist, what's going on in the world. Which totally is my true. Job for you, Kevin. Hey. <laughs> <Rewrite> <laughs> I don't know. Time. I mean, that's weird. <laughs> like, is it, is that my job or like job of society to now like censor these songs and go back and like well let's change the the song under my thumb by uh the rolling stones to like something happy called you know something else that's like not as offensive to women and whatever you know caricature he's talking about in that song it's almost like now you're hiding the history when now it's just like maybe artists jobs to now take those songs feel that they're outdated and make their own art that's going to be looked back upon again in 50 years and be like wow that was outdated let's do it again and again Yeah, it's so true. But I think there's also something to be said for like what you were saying before, Devin, reinventing kind of a story and introducing it to a whole other audience that maybe it wasn't accessible to before so that more people are ultimately hearing that story. But then that begs the question, like, is it the same story if we're reinventing it too much? Like, where's the line? I think it's hard to say, but it's interesting. Ooh, that was a cool little place that we ended up in that I wasn't (laughs) expecting, but I like it. That was cool, you guys. All right. Final remarks, major takeaways from the episode. Anything you want to say? to the blogcast listeners um enjoy the things that you really like and do it unabashedly and just like there's gonna be people that don't get it or don't want it and it's fine even if people challenge you on things like if your loved one doesn't like the strokes and they don't like them at all and you really (laughs) do and uh, that's fine it's fine i feel fine (laughs) about it and (laughs) but just like do it unabashedly and like be comfortable with people not liking the things you don't like because that's what makes you unique and that's good 
I think um, definitely take a second to reflect. This is a really good experience for me reflecting on what are the things you're coming back to and why. Brings all that nostalgia back. It makes you feel good. And then also feel free to enjoy things too. Don't overanalyze things, but listen to Jubilee Street again, just because you love listening to it. Couldn't have said it better myself. You guys, this has been so fun. Hopefully lots more to come from this trio. There's nothing like it. Maybe more, mm-hmm. I was going to say well-rehearsed improv, but that defeats the purpose. But maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll hone my improv skills a little better for next time. But the Mr. Milk thing is something we will revisit as a trio, I'm sure. And Mr. Milk is not it. going anywhere. <laughs> Just like the pug mask. I love it, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> well, thank so you. Much. Thank you so much for joining. I'm Kevin, I'm Kevin Berger. Berger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mr. Uh, Milk. <laughs> I'm the translator for Miss Cow. You guys are insane. And I'm Rachel Malik. This has been the Her Life Blogcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>